I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. Greetings from Munich, Magdeburg and Bratislava. I'm David. And I am Mark and you're listening to the Check Your Facts podcast. A little podcast about digital journalism and everything connected to it by us two digital journalists. And our guests are mostly digital journalists. And that's what we like to talk about all the time. That's why we do this podcast. <laughs> David, how are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm well. But uh, how about yourself? I, uh, you, you told me you're uh, sick a little bit. Yeah, I, I remember. Well. I, I remember like three or four weeks ago when we had the same conversation that I was sick. And I'm not sure if I'm still sick or again. I don't know. I have a... The big cold lying in bed all day long i don't know maybe it's But just that time of the year you know when like yeah probably the weather is going like up and down and up and down and my doctor said it's actually really hard to not get sick so yeah. i i actually got my flu shot like um, uh, uh, a week ago so oh i've never done this my father's really into these flu shots but i never did one Maybe I should do it. Oh, I don't know. I, I'm only, I, I think I, you should. I'm only I sick like <laughs> every five years. So. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, uh, like, uh, I, I guess the the modern standard is like to do it like at least twice a year. Yeah. But uh, besides sleeping, I've a bit time to like read articles and stuff. And our today's guest has a very interesting new project. Unfortunately, it's in German. Sorry for you, David. But there's a new uh, the Facebook group, which is based around everything futuristic, optimistic view on what the Internet and everything around it will bring us. And I hope we talk about this a little bit. And I say hello to uh, Johannes. Hi. Welcome. Well, thanks for having me. Um, it's a pleasure. <laughs> it's our pleasure, actually. And with all our guests, uh, before we get into the futuristic stuff, <laughs> uh, uh, so so just please uh, tell us, like, uh, how did you get to journalism? Uh, uh, bef before you, before you oh, do okay. that, I always love how uh, David pronounces the names of the guests. And <laughs> because you were German, I, I refuse to say your last name. <laughs> Okay, Because so, I, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to so get great. this right. You're so great in, in pronouncing so, foreign So, names. Johannes Klingebiel, well, right? That's, yeah, that's quite correct. Perfect. Or, okay. So, um, Klingebiel, <laughs> it's, um, it's a German variant, but, but um, you're really not that far away. I've, I've heard um, worse pronunciations of this I name. Think. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, is does it does it actually have any meaning? Because like it's it's kind of like a, a ring. It it's got some like ring to it, you know. Uh, yeah. Um, actually, something. it's um, a combination of words. So um, of course, German um, surname is of course a combination of two words. Um, it's um, klingendes Beil would be the old German variant, and it means um, ringing um, axe. Beil is a small x, and um, um, the background, uh, my family was um, somewhere, one of my ancestors, um, I don't know the English word, he built um, roofs, wooden roofs, so because he was, well, quite good at his job, and his beil, his axe was always ringing when he built um, the roof, so there's the name. Wow, that's that's actually a long family history. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's something you you tell yourself, like like or like, 
That, that's the official history. So I don't know <laughs> if, there, if there's an unofficial one or if that's the, the legend behind it or the myth. I don't know, but that's the story I was told. So is this something like a father t- tells the son and the, then it goes on? Uh, something like that? More my grandma told me. My father is not so invested in family history, so... <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, this this was actually nice. <laughs> Mark, Mark do, do do you have like uh, anything like this in your? Mm. I only know that so. my name is uh, Polish for bishop, but that's it. Yeah, that's that's, I that's, that's <laughs> what I'm asking if you have any. <laughs> that's I I don't know why and I I don't know. So you don't want to sorry sorry for no no I'm sorry for being so unprepared. I, but actually, my parents or grandparents never told me why why it was this name. Hmm. Okay, anyway, <laughs> let's get back to Johannes <laughs> and, and his, his uh, journey to Germany. We should have a name podcast maybe on, as a side project. <laughs> Names and where they come from. Interesting, that actually. would be nice. So Johannes, um, um, how, how did you get to journalism? Did you always want to be a journalist or like work in media and innovation? Well, it's a bit more complicated, I think. Um, uh, I've never been that interested in really um, writing myself. Um, I first studied um, computer science. Um, so computer science with a focus on, on media. Um, tried it for about half a year and quickly learned that computer science wasn't for me. Um, I like the programming. I like to tinker with technology. But um, the math is really not my thing. So, um, yeah, I switched and uh, studied media and communication. So um, I like to think, my, to think about myself more um, of um, someone who comes from a marketing and communication science background than a journalistic background as a by definition, but um, the thing that really brought me to to journalism, and that might be a bit of a cliche, because um, in my first year um, studying media and communications, I uh, read a pirated version of um, Jeff Jarvis' Geeks Bearing Gifts, and, well, that quite inspired me actually um, to, to um, try to get more into media and to try to get more into journalism and um, I like that book actually a lot it's well it's quite old and uh, now I don't know when it was first published but um, many of the ideas uh, Jeff Jarvis wrote in those books um, I still think about today so um, yeah that was so my way, and I was always tinkering with, with media, I've, I've started a newsletter, I've started a blog, no, I've started actually four blogs, um, three of those are nuked, um, so you won't find them around anymore, <laughs> luckily. Um, um, yeah, just tinkering around, I uh, started a Medium publication somewhere around 2013, I think, um, called Thoughts on Journalism, which actually rose to, to become the one of the biggest medium publications um, on journalism on the platform. So I'm quite proud of that. There, it was more of a lucky coincidence, more than planned work. But yeah, 
So it was more a series of coincidences um, which um, brought me to my job at the moment, um, which is um, as a member of the innovations team at the uh, Süddeutsche Zeitung here in Munich. But um, yeah, lucky coincidences, I would say. Nice. Uh, did you did you read the um, What Would Google Do by Jeff Jarvis? Oh yeah. Oh sorry. I uh, yeah. It was What Would Google Do, not Peaks Bearing Gifts. Peaks Peaks uh, Geeks Bearing Gifts is the second book. Yeah, that, that actually yeah. came came out like 2014. That's, that's yeah. what I was asking. Like because yeah. the, the, yeah. the I'm, I'm, What Would sorry. Google yeah. Do came out like 2009. My bad. I just Google it. I, yeah. I don't know it from. I just Google it. <laughs> so. Not, not to confuse the, the the listeners that I'm like super uh, into it. Uh, so yeah, yeah, okay. So so what would Google do? That was the, the yes, book uh, which inspired you. My bad. Sorry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, no, no problem. Just wanted to clarify. Uh, yeah, it's it's actually a great book, and it's still like I, I have picked it up again, uh, like uh, last Christmas for some reason, mm -hmm. and it's like many parts of it are. Still quite relevant. Like it's still like uh, it it has aged well, but like some some of the chapters are of, of course like uh, uh, not not so up to date. So it's more just like interesting how he foreseen some of the things, but but some of the things he's writing are still like uh, really up to date. Yes, interesting. Um, I though in the last. Half in the last year, I've always been thinking maybe he was a bit too optimistic um, when talking about the positive impacts of Google and Facebook on journalism. But um, well, that's um, something you can discuss for a long time, I guess. <laughs> yes, we c we can uh, go go into that as as well. But uh, please, um, <laughs> could you <laughs> clarify your your role in uh, what you do at Zeitung? Exciting because in your Twitter bio, it stands that you're like innovation and brand studio. So like, how how do, does those two like functions like roles uh, come together in one person? Well, um, that's another coincidence at the moment. Um, my work at the Süddeutsche Zeitung is mostly focused on um, advertising innovation um, at our newspaper. So. Um, I'm actually not allowed to write articles for the newspaper because I'm uh, working so closely with advertisers for branded content and uh, content marketing solutions. So, um, um, yeah. Um, and I'm mostly doing, as I said, branded content and um, working together with authors and designers and our um, brilliant um, team on the um, advertising uh, side of our business and um, the other side is of course the innovation side where still besides the advertising innovation I'm working on different uh, smaller innovation projects which are mostly product-based so um, uh, not really together with, with our journalists in the newsroom. Um, there are other people on our team who are uh, doing more of this work. We have also um, uh, something that's called uh, Entwicklungsredaktion. Um, how do we translate it? Might be um, it's it's um, a small team of journalists in combinations with uh, developers who are sitting inside the newsroom and um, developing new tools and uh, storytelling formats for journalists. So. So we are more on the editorial side of the business. I'm more on the advertising and marketing side. I see. And uh, could you specify some project or product you've been working on, like innovation-wise, and uh, 
something that's maybe is out already published or uh, whatsoever or, or, or something that's in the works and you can talk about it. <laughs> is, there, is there something um, like that? I don't have a product which um, I uh, myself worked a lot on, which is at the moment um, in the open or which we launched. Um, but um, in the past, my team, for example, launched our um, 360-degree um, videos app for... Um, well, you could call it virtual reality content. Um, I think, yeah, it's more 360 videos. Um, we have um, own recipes platform we launched. Um, also, like a best of print magazine. So, yeah, we are digital innovation mostly, but we're also launching print magazines, um, which is called Langstrecke, which um, bundles the best um, long-form content of the Süddeutsche Zeitung. So, interviews, um, um, profiles, all that stuff, um, which is sold quarterly uh, at newsstands. So um, I don't have a project myself, which um, I launched so far, um, but um, it's coming. Okay, but that's great. I mean, I, I uh, do something like this, but on the editorial side, and I, I can... I cannot say like this project <laughs> is mine because it's always uh, like uh, a team, team effort. Always a you definitely team effort. Uh, yeah, that's definitely. actually what I like about it. But uh, back to the you said so like you you're working in on innovation in advertising and there has been recently uh, a, a quite uh, okay so it wasn't that long but uh, an article by uh, Keith Weiner uh, the editor in chief of Guardian. Uh, we will share the the link in the uh, the description of the podcast and she said that advertising is not the future. Even Guardian, who's quite a big scale publisher, uh, cannot survive on uh, uh, advertising Advertising, and they see the future in memberships. They, they have quite nicely grown uh, their, their membership base since uh, February, uh, like by hundreds of thousands of uh, like uh, members, like people paying them monthly fees for like doing journalism. <laughs> so <laughs> what's your take on this? Um, I think she's right. Um, I really think, especially for, um, let's say, quality journalism, I hate that phrase, but I think it's the best phrase to, to describe the thing. Um, I think memberships um, are um, the best way to finance it um, or to, to, to do the, the most financing. But I also think that advertising still will play a role in the future. Um, I just don't think um, it will be the advertising um, which dominated the web um, for the last decades. Um, for as I, I think the banner ad is going to die. Um, I don't see any way around it. Um, we have ad blockers, we have ad frauds, we have um, uh, banners um, which damage the brand of newsrooms. Um, we have banners with um, malware, if you don't... Um, uh, be careful. So um, I think banner, the banner will die, but I think there are also um, other ways of doing so. For, for example, of course, branded content. Um, yeah, that's a whole discussion for um, another time, I guess, um, if branded content really is something uh, a newsroom should be doing. But I think um, if you're not fooling your readers, if you're really trying to, to give... Um, something to the readers which is interesting which is um, funny which is um, 
in any way um, something they would like to read and you're also communicating really clearly hey that's sponsored by someone I don't see any problem with it and um, at least at the moment it's working really well I mean we can we can just like stick stick a toe into this topic for a while <laughs> <laughs> uh, because like obviously it's something you do and so you you have an opinion about this and I, I can say like uh, we have also a uh, like native advertising unit uh, they they call themselves like a cre- creative unit and uh, they've recently done like they've done a bunch of articles already it's, it's been mainly articles uh, sometimes they do videos and uh, uh, some of the recent ones they had like very very nice um, like reach many people uh, uh, viewed them shared them and uh, actually the, the the feedback feedback was great uh, because they, they they tapped a topic uh, about the future of work like uh, what kind of uh, like uh, if you're a high schooler or whatever like what work is the work of the future and it was like great they just like it, it, it I mean you could take uh, that article put it inside the the like uh, as if the origin of the newsroom and it would be great yeah that's that's the thing right if, if you're doing great content marketing or great branded content with um, the tools you have as a journalist and uh, you're not trying to fool your readers into to reading uh, yeah an, an ad um, it can be really great um, it can be really beneficial for the brand, for um, the newsroom, for the advertisers. Um, that's the reason I like the format. Um, it always depends on the topic, of course, and depends on the advertisers. Some some pieces are really hard to produce, but um, well, it's at least interesting to do. So <laughs> there's that. Okay, uh, well, Mark, you work in uh, uh, public media. You don't have native advertising units. How do you feel about native advertising yourself? Because we need to have like an o- opposing voice. <laughs> <There's one. laughs> as a consumer, or uh, as a, yeah, as let's a let's let's say first as a journalist and then uh, as a compu- uh, con- <laughs> computer <laughs> consumer. The thing is, we have we have a very big debate about adverts, native advertising, and so on. Right, just right now, um, there was a big campaign by the youth channel of ARD and ZDF, uh, who said like adverts are shit and uh, come to us, which was like really controversial. Um, I can understand that the private sector needs adverts, and I think that normal banners that are disturbing me while I'm reading. Are definitely not the best solution. There are several websites I uh, I surf on every day, and they have like these banners, and uh, you, you want to read, and they certainly pop up, and uh, you can't close them. That's really annoying. So I'm I would rather go with with native advertising if it's like marked correctly. I would like that very much. Um, as on my personal views, that I like um, membership models much more because then I can decide what I want to pay for. Um, I think that the, pay- the paywall is, um, yeah, could be a chance, but membership model is probably the best. I definitely hate banners and everything that blinks and pops and, yeah, disturbs my 
online surfing. I, I yeah. always have in my mind uh, this one native uh, advertising uh, article. It was actually an investigation uh, by by the T brand studio at the New York Times, and like they were promoting uh, Orange Is the New Black, and they did like this whole big uh, thing about like women in prisons. And I and I thought myself like this is great if like uh, na- native co- content would be like this like uh, the the uh, the company would pay for investigation and investigative journalism or something like uh, th- like this it would be great what what do you think Jonas well that's the, certainly the holy grail of um, content marketing though um, I myself am a bit critical. Um, of that piece. It was great journalism, but I don't think um, brands should pay for investigative journalism. Um, it's interesting as a case, and it definitely worked because it was in um, partnership with Netflix. So um, Netflix well, is a well-known brand. You know what they're doing, and you know they are not invested in private prisons or prisons with women, um, apart from uh, producing oranges in black, but um, I don't think brands should finance investigative journalism. Um, but brands, of course, of course, they can do it if the partnership will work out. But um, I wouldn't like to see that being the norm. Oh yeah, okay, we we t- totally agree on this. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I just wanted to pick this uh, this uh, example because uh, it was like something like uh, I would sp- say like money well spent uh, in the end. Definitely, it was it was a great piece. So um, uh, yeah, congrats to to Tree Brand again. Uh, it's the most amazing case of of branded content you can maybe find out there at the moment. But it, I th- I think it's a, it's almost the same discussion as it is about net neutrality. So if you have enough money, you can like bring the story in the direction you want to bring it, and you can make streets broader or narrower or whatsoever. So I'm on Johannes' side definitely. That uh, no one who is like making money and spending money on adverts and products should like be really influencing journalists i mean you could have always done this story on your own but sure who would give the money for it especially if you're private but yeah we should be careful okay and if, if we are like uh, we have this uh, dilemma which, which is always great to have uh so what 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 would you guys say if there was uh, an investigation investigative journalism unit uh which got uh, like it, it's funds, uh, like uh, let's say a third of it, so it's not the b- biggest portion, but still it's like one third uh, from like different like big companies operating in like um, and anywhere from like finance to uh, 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 whatsoever. Uh, would 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 you say like that's that's okay like the the company is like investing some kind of money in doing good or would you be skeptical of that? Well, um, we recently had this um, thing with um, I, I guess you guys um, the Paradise Papers. Yeah. Yep. Um, the I see as well, the oh God, uh, um, I just forgot the name. Um, the non-profit organization for investigative journalists. Um, which uh, back the research. Um, ICIJ? 
Yeah, yeah, that was the name. Uh, they found some of their sponsors inside the Paradise Papers. Um, for example, George uh, Soros. Um, so, um, yeah, that's um, a real-life example of what you're talking about, right? Um, where you're investigating tax fraud and you're finding your own uh, sponsors inside the papers. Um, and I think they really um, acted on it quite quite well. They uh, put up notices on their website, they, they wrote an article about it, they stayed neutral. Um, I don't know what the reaction was of the people uh, who sponsored um, the non-profit, um, if they pulled back or not, but um, I think they handled it quite well. And I think that's the right way to handle it. I think if you're a journalist and you can 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 work um, without being influenced by the money, that's great if you're in that position. Man, it's, it's, it might become tricky if you're dependent on the money, right? Yes. And I don't think we should allow um, a big dependency on outside um, money donors um, for investigative journalism. I always like I always like when there's like a like a a transparent contract contract. So if they say we give you money but we won't influence your and so on and so on and so on. Um but still there's like a small rest that is like not so clear for anyone. But again we have several several initiatives. For example, news mavens uh, who were on, on one of the last podcasts and several other projects and they're all funded by uh, funded by Google DNI and I mean it's a big player in the in the business Google uh, and still we we trust them because we know them and we know what they are doing and they have like transparent rules and so on so it's it's one way it, it can work yeah definitely it can can absolutely work um I think depends on the partnership depends on the journalist depends on the newsroom depends on the donor um I think it's hard to, to say there's uh, a rule for every situation out there. Okay, but uh, let's let's get back from the dilemma to <laughs> uh, let's not get like too philosophical. That's, that's <laughs> ethics and journalism 101. <laughs> no, 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 it's 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 uh, it's actually been nice because I uh, <laughs> it's it's good to talk to you about this because you're actually like working for Zudeutsche Zeitung where yeah, uh, you can say all this started uh, two years ago or one year ago. I guess two years ago because one year ago came out the investigation, but they, the guys, the the Obermeier guys, started to, uh, working on it like uh, a year in advance, right? Um, oh, I am. I, um, I don't actually know in detail because, um, of course, I don't have anything to do in my day daily work with uh, the investig investigative team here at Süddeutsche Zeitung. Um, rightly so, I would say. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice one. <laughs> maybe I can can grab one of the Obermeiers, um sometime um, for coffee, but um, they worked quite long on, on that. But the funny thing is, um, the leak came um, not long after the uh, Panama Papers. Um, yeah. So... Um, somehow both Obermeiers built a pipeline for leaks... Um, for the Süddeutsche Zeitung, which is amazing. So, congrats. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, okay. So, uh, 
uh, in the beginning, Mark said that uh, you, you started this uh, Facebook group uh, about like um, optimistic futurism, uh, if, if I'm uh, calling it uh, rightly. So uh, what's, what's that about? Um, well, it's a bit um, the combination of, of a couple of thoughts I have since I'm working for the Zootlogic Exciting. So um, um, I'm a bit of a techie myself. Um, I like to think about technology. I like to, to, to think about the future. I have to think about the future and technology, of course, in my job, um, besides advertising. So uh, what will be the future of Zootlogic Exciting? What will be the future of journalism when you think... Um, let's say, 10 years into the future. Um, where would you like to work? Where would you like, what would you like to work? How would you like to have your daily work look like? How would you like to have, uh, what should your office look, look like, right? And um, I started to, to, to think about those questions and I started to ask people around the office. So, hey, um, where do you think the Zootlogic Zeitung will be in 10 years? And uh, the one thing I noticed really quick is most people don't think about that, right? Um, of course, there are a couple of answers you will always be getting. Um, you will always be getting some kind of, oh, well, um, in, in 10 years, I'm going to work anywhere but here. Um, I think if, if the most people in your office are giving you that answer, you maybe should think about a new job. But um, <laughs> fortunately, that is not the case. It is Deutsche Zeitung. Most people don't think about it. But... Um, uh, journalism will change in some way in the next 10 years, and I think there will be drastic changes to it. Um, we have to to anticipate those changes a bit, and uh, I, I don't. I think the biggest mistake journalists or newsrooms can do um, in the next couple of years is just to react to um, developments out there. Right. So there has been. Sorry, sorry. So, yeah. so there, there has been just because it's connected to what you just said. So, sorry, just stepping in. But there, there has been a tweet recently by this guy John Ehrlichman. Uh, I don't know him, but my friend uh, like uh, sent it to me, and uh, he actually said like uh, things that did not exist on Thanksgiving because it's Thanksgiving uh, today as we're recording, uh, like 10 years ago. Uh, and 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 if you look at the list, and you think like 10 years ago this wasn't. So like you you think about like what what was it? I'll just let just uh, give us some uh, examples. So, uh, ten years ago there wasn't like Uber, Airbnb, Instagram, Snapchat, Bitcoin, iPad, Kickstarter, Pinterest, App Store, Angry Birds, Slack, <laughs> and and I could go on like the list is quite long and like these are things you use almost daily. So yeah, it's a great question to ask. Like, what's what's gonna happen in ten years? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there there are out there some are some visions, and there are of course people who um, uh, don't do anything else but thinking about the future and working on uh, visions of the future. Um, but I was interested in in well, how how is going the Süddeutsche Zeitung to look like? And um, I really don't got answers back, um, which is okay because um, most journalists are focused on their daily jobs and maybe think a year uh, in the future, or maybe if they're working on bigger project, but that's about it, right? Um, so um, I was thinking about, okay, how can we maybe build a platform to think about it? Um, I talked to, to a good friend of mine um, who's working at uh, Bayerische Rundfunk, which is um, the Bavari Bavarian um, uh, 
yeah, brother, sister of uh, Mark's company, so to say. And uh, we started the old, the older, richer brother, probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's uh, public broadcasting as well. And we started this uh, Facebook group called Edgeland. Um, it's uh, in German only at the moment. Maybe we'll do an international edition. We're not sure about it at the moment. Uh, we were just we are just starting out. So um, the name is actually quite funny because it's on the one hand a more uh, sarcastic nickname for Germany because uh, mobile reception is not always great and you're going to have just Edge. Um, But the other um, meaning of, of the word is actually quite interesting because um, Edgelands um, describe the borderlands between uh, urban regions and the countryside. So you have uh, like the urban um, industrial thing you know and the wilderness and between those two parts are the Edgelands. So, um, which translate really well to their mission about um, on uh, thinking about the future. So, um, living in the Edgeland, thinking about the Edgeland, exploring the Edgeland, and trying to 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 um, well imagine what the future could look like. Right. Um, um, that's the mission behind it. We're we're working on some projects um, related to those uh, mission statements we have at the moment. Um, but yeah. That's about it. We're starting the the minimal viable product of something bigger, which is at the moment just a Facebook group. So it basically uh, is you started a discussion, but like in a, a larger public, right? Or, or am I getting it wrong? Yeah, there at the moment are uh, around seventy uh, members of the group, from mostly journalists. At the moment, we have uh, journalists from Wired Germany. We have uh, journalists from. Uh, other newspapers uh, from from TV, from public broadcasting. We have Mark, for example, who's at the moment not uh, still quiet in the group. Um, just reading, just reading, <laughs> just reading, lurking in the shadows. Um, uh, we have teachers. We have um, yeah, different kind of people who like to think about the future. We have some some guys from agencies. Um, yeah, and. A discussion forum at the moment. So you, it goes all about the future, and when someone looks at your uh, uh, Twitter profile and uh, is reading your tweets, it, uh, I, I guess everyone will get the impression you're following all the trends. One one of the one of the things I have uh, seen you uh, tweeting a lot about were like uh, AI uh, bots. <laughs> and, and and all all these things uh, is is it something you're experimenting with or it's more like just you're like following it? Um, I quite heavily experimented with chatbots um, about a year ago, um, but I think the biggest problem with chatbots at the moment is um, they're really boring after you tinkered around a bit. Um, most functions are just, if you do that, then react like this. Um, there is no natural language processing, there is no reasoning, there is no AI in most of those bots. And even if there is some kind of AI involved, in, for example, things like Siri or Alexa or Cortana or the Google Assistant, they're mostly still quite, yeah, dumb, right? Um, so there is nothing really impressive or Terminator or, 
uh, hell 3000 about uh, those projects. So, um, but I think the, 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 this, the whole spectrum of AI is actually quite interesting in journalism besides chatbots. Though chatbots can be an interesting tool, I guess, if uh, used correctly. Um, but um, they are not a way in the future, I guess. But, um, okay, so you're saying AI and journalism. Uh, as Mark mentioned, the Google DNI Fund has funded uh, quite a few projects in recent years and months. In, in Europe, there, has been some, there have been some initiatives also connected to AI and, let's say, like verification, misinformation. So wh where do you see the AI role in journalism? Obviously, the, the big, uh, big agencies like Reuters and APR Uh, using, I would say, that's just maybe mm, only machine learning or like some kind of primitive AI for like already like uh, writing thousands uh, uh, of articles daily. But uh, that's, I, I would say just like uh, really a basic uh, uh, way of like using AI. It's actually, AI is actually quite an interesting topic on uh, many different levels, I think. So, um, um, When we talk about AI today, um, most AI we have is actually pretty weak. It's um, not the science fiction version of AI we'd like to have, um, for good or for worse. Depends on who you ask, I guess. Um, so um, the sim most simplistic way you can use AI at the moment is, of course, working with uh, huge... Um, Datasets. So, and I think there is a way where AI really shines. For example, when uh, trans, um, transcribing audio, for example, you can automate uh, a huge chunk of it. Um, or um, maybe also uh, researching uh, tax evasion um, on the Cayman Islands. And I don't know if you have a huge um, set of uh, legal documents, why not try to use uh, machine learning to uh, decipher the connections between those? Um, same goes for, for example, uh, recognizing faces, recognizing objects. Um, um, Condé Nast recently built for uh, Vogue, actually, a project where they built um, an AI system which can identify uh, designer handbags. Um, it was more of a, of a test, how to do it. But um, that's, for example, an interesting thing. You know, if you're writing about... Um, I mean, it's a use case. As a Vogue editor, you're writing about handbags and you want to have um, images of those handbags automatically pulled from uh, a database by an AI algorithm who, uh, which, which tagged every picture um, before by handbag or by celebrity or by the designer. So... Um, that's something AI can really do well, and I think that's um, a part where AI can really help the newsroom to work more efficiently, more uh, faster, um, yeah, and where AI can, can free journalists to do their work. I, I said uh, something in the introduction, and I want to get deeper into that and you actually gave uh, a nice point at the end about 
uh, how AI can help us in the newsrooms. I, I'm always reading uh, articles that are very negative and who say, uh, which say, uh, I don't know, um, AI is going to take away the jobs or it can't do the jobs as good as a human or uh, what what's with all the algorithms and with with everything that's being developed uh, it's gonna um, take over the wor world or whatsoever like in, in high commas <laughs> of course when you're a journalist and you see um, that there might be a machine that can do your job you might be frightened but what's your take on like all the negativity especially i think especially in germany when when colleagues write about the future and AI and machines and, and so on. Yeah, Germans are a bit more careful when it comes to new technology than, uh, for example, Americans. So uh, there's a bit of a cultural difference, of course. Um, I don't see how AI can uh, take a journalist's job. Um, as long as you're not doing something which can be easily and with easily, I mean, really easily auto automated, then you're actually, I think, um, you shouldn't be afraid at all because um, the, the systems that exist um, are good in maybe recognizing things or translating things or transcribing things, but those systems are really bad at um, recognizing context or... Um, going out there interviewing sources so every time you don't have those huge data sets you can't actually use uh, machine learning so um, everywhere you have small data everywhere you have to to really go out and get the data that's a journalist's job and that's the 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 standard job journalists have done for yeah decades and i don't think that will change I can't see how it will change. Uh, maybe there will be sometimes in the future in a uh, master AI algorithm which can do those things, but we're not there to get. And I don't think we will be there in... Uh, I don't think we'll ever be there. I can't see... Maybe... Okay. I see. I don't know um, where we're going to end up, but... Um, the techniques which exist at the moment um, cannot and will not um, make any journalist uh, will not steal a job from a journalist. But let's let's uh, have a have a look inside the newsrooms again. For example, um, journalists writing news for the radio, for example, and they use information from their colleagues, from the reporters, from agencies, and let's say some. I don't know, websites. That could easily be done by a machine. And I think I read about it, um, especially when everything about around um, Google Home and Amazon Echo came out that it could be like easily done by an assistant, like technical assistant. You mean like uh, writing the news? Yeah, like writing, writing the news. Like it, I think the easiest thing would be sports news because it's basically, I don't know, the result plus when the goals were, were shot. Sure, but um, you're a sports fan, right? Yes. Sure, when you're talking about sports, okay, so yeah, you can definitely automate uh, simple uh, reports and simple news, um, but I don't see how 
that is going to to really affect journalism because actually I think that's great. Um, sure, you're going to have a human in the loop um, who will correct those pieces and who will uh, look over and maybe um, add to those. But um, you'll have more journalists in the newsroom who can then go out there and do some really deep reporting, right? Yeah, um, yeah, sure. You can do the really interesting stuff. Um, I think we should look at AI more as a tool and um, not as... I, I, I think also some, some, some framing as AI as a co-worker is actually, I think, harmful to AI because um, we should really not humanize artificial intelligence. Um, which is quite hard because most of the words we um, we use to talk about it, artificial intelligence, like intelligence, like um, learning algorithms, um, like thinking machines, those are all uh, human or at least uh, animal-like aspects of uh, doing some things, right? But is, that, is, that, is that maybe the problem why there is such a negative or pessimistic way of looking into these futuristic topics that it's yeah not, not well that it's not well explained and that there are the wrong words maybe i mean it, it's easy to imagine if you say intelligence what you mean but uh, think of a different word that describes the same but for a machine it's really hard you would it's come up with, hard, with yeah, new words yeah. or something yeah i, I think the, tr the framing is a bit um is definitely a problem but also uh decades of uh, dark science fiction movies about harmful ai um, I think the only positive and optimistic version about AI in the last couple of years was maybe Her, which is a great film in my opinion. Um, but here's the, here's the thing. Um, chess machines, chess algorithm, algorithms were in the past called AI, right? And those things did nothing more than um, searching through that database of possible chess moves. They were not intelligent in any way, but um, we used the word intelligent to talk about those systems. Um, and it's, it's definitely correct in some way. It's a scientific term, but um, it's really hard to translate to the public or to, to journalists that those things, there is no intelligence used. That's just a scientific term for those types of machines, for those types of algorithms, right? Um, a machine does not think. It just works the way it was supposed to be designed. Um, those things don't decide anything. It's still actually quite stupid. It's just a more complex form of algorithm and a more nuanced form of algorithm uh, than what we used uh, before. This is probably, or this can be, a discussion of philosophical range. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> sure, when there is a, a voice assistant and it, it sounds like a uh, like like a German, no, uh, like a, like a human. Um, yeah, um, you f you feel different, and yeah, we have to live with it. I mean, us, we three, uh, we all have uh, an Amazon Echo or a Google Home at home, so. We don't uh, need to convince ourselves, but <laughs> uh, but the others, yeah. Okay, and uh, again, I guess this is uh, the <laughs> time when I come in and I say, like, we're running out of time. <laughs> <laughs>
What, was there ever a podcast where uh, Alexa and Google talk to each other for like 40 minutes? That would I was be nice. just thinking about it. That would be actually quite quite interesting to have uh, maybe Alexa as a co-moderator uh, on a podcast. <laughs> Co-host. Yeah. So who, who would be missing then, David or me? I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe you should, uh, well, the third one? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Or if, if someone is at, uh, in, at holidays and there's no time to Ooh, that like, would record, be funny, record an episode. Yeah, you can have my Google Home, David, when I'm uh, next time uh, in the holidays. So. If you're sick again, okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll try it and like uh, make them uh, have a have a conversation together, like my It's really Amazon hard. Echo It's really hard. And, and your Google Home. But like at the moment, for me, the the intelligent assistant, like voice assistant, is uh, all about like. Give me the news. Give me yeah. the, the headlines. Maybe give maybe me this the can weather. maybe this can be the like the very last bit we talk about because we all have such a device. And how are your experiences, Johannes? You said you have like Google Home Mini for a month. Me too, <laughs> David. You have uh, Echo for two, uh, three weeks. One week and something. Just a short summary of what you think about it. I mean, David said he uses it for the news, and actually. I do this with my Google Home as well. Not nothing. Well, more. it's a nice speaker for listening to podcasts with uh, yeah, voice control, but nothing more at the moment. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, too bad. So Google and Amazon, if you're listening to this, we want more. We want yeah, more definitely, choices. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's, it's a bit, bit depressing, I think. So... Um, Yeah, I mean, actually, I actually, guys, if you could, if you could yeah. answer this this question, sorry, Mark, uh, like uh, I, when when I uh, bought my Amazon Echo, so I wanted to tell everyone, obviously, <laughs> because like uh, in, in Slovakia, it's uh, I, you you could not order uh, from Amazon like officially, like to bring it to Slovakia, so oh. I had to order it. Uh, it came to Austria. It's like cross the border just like 10 kilometers and I had to go and get it there because it's not localized for Slovakia so they do not let you order it to Slovakia I don't know it's stupid and uh, so then I had to like explain everyone uh, wh what it is and I'm like curious like how do you say or like explain your mom or your grandma like what is uh, Google Home God I have I haven't told them that I that I got <laughs> such a thing because they probably would be frightened <laughs> <laughs> Google is listening to you all the time. Uh, <laughs> yes, I don't know. I think voice assistant is a very nice description for it, but again, that can be all or nothing. I don't know. Well, the problem is the assistant part is still lacking a bit. Yes. The voice part is actually quite nice, but yes. the assistant part, well, needs some work. Yes, very much. I can't even, uh, that's what I wanted to know, for example, uh, what's the next train to, I don't know, Berlin or Leipzig. And it's not even possible to have that. And I know that's easier with, with, uh, with Alexa, because you have the Bahn skill. But, I mean, Google has the biggest database in the world, like, for everything. And if you ask Google, uh, when's the next movie or when's the next train, it easily comes up, like, in the web search but it's not on yeah. the on the ho Google Home, and I don't know why. Uh, it's weird. It's a challenge, I guess. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> no, 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 you, you have any idea what, why that is? Like, no, I don't uh, know, why, actually. Uh, um, I think it's it's weird. I have the 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 um, feeling they rushed 
their products um, to catch up to Amazon. Um, and they don't have the, the ecosystem, right? So, um, ecosystem. That's, yeah. Ec- <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, that's the thing Google is, is still lacking, right? The um, developers you're building are... Skills. Different skills and apps yeah. and uh, whatsoever. I actually, you know what? I I, I told everyone that uh, you know it's a uh, at the moment it's more like an intelligent radio. That's, yeah. that's what I tell my mom and my grandma. Actually, I don't I don't tell my grandma because she might be frightened as Mark's grandma. <laughs> I don't I don't know if my if my grandma would be frightened, um, but I just didn't tell her. <laughs> <laughs> If you do, please, please record the... Uh. Yeah, I will. <laughs> I will. We should, we should do, do a special episode with your grandma about what does she think about... She's, she's actually learning English, um, but she's more afraid of learning uh, or speaking English with, with other people than her Strangers, learning yeah. class. <laughs> so then with Google, I don't know. <laughs> but we, we could ask her, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's 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 do it one time. Anyway, Johannes, thank you for coming to the podcast. It's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's been great. Thanks for having me again. Um, was a pleasure. We 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 should have you back sometimes uh, and uh, talk more about this uh, f- futuristic, uh, uh, optimistic future. Uh, uh, I definitely like to. Um, maybe um, I can plug some 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 who are working on futures of journalism maybe to to follow if you're interested yeah yes definitely definitely, yes. Do that, please. definitely um one person you should follow is um amy webb it's maybe um i think it's at, at amy, amy webb we'll just check um she's a technologist um and is writing a really really awesome report on um technologies uh, which will influence uh, media yeah. and trends in technologies she, she she actually puts out a re- like uh, several reports, but one of them is like the the, the f- yeah. future of the internet or something like this, future of the media. Definitely, um, uh, really, really trends. amazing report. It's it's free, so that's the best part about it, and it's really detailed. Um, also goes into AI a bit. Um, then uh, Scott Smith from Changest is definitely somebody you should look at. Um, if you're from Germany, Johannes Kleske is another person um, who's really interested uh, in the future and in talking about the futures. And um, yeah, you should Google future of X for some times. It's really interesting. Wow. Okay. That's, that's great. We actually, uh, uh, I just came to my mind that there is like the New York Times, they have a unit called the X team or something like that. And there are like uh, five guys like product managers journalists and uh, developers uh, uh, which are like uh, every uh, like month or like two months or something like a, a period of time experimenting on some new technology and then thinking about like how could be New York Times be using that in the future which I really like some the, this idea of this definitely like, yeah thinking about the future anyway uh it's been great. Uh, we'll we'll uh, give all the all the links to the things we talked about and uh, to 
all, also the profiles of these people will uh, also provide Johannes's uh, Twitter profile, which is <laughs> worth following. I I told him this in the past, and I'll tell him again that uh, he should do his uh, newsletter in English. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but uh, I I know the time pressure and that it's like more it's easier in German, but, easier. but I should <laughs> get used to it more to write in English and to speak in English. No, it's 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 okay. I get it. I mean, maybe if I was in Germany, like in a like a big country with a, like a lot of people, I I I would be having the same trouble. <laughs> like living in a small country, it makes you like be more <laughs> into English. Sorry. <laughs> um, and uh, if 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 this is the first time you guys listening to this podcast and you got all the way through here, if you like it and you would like to listen to um, more interviews like this. We did a bunch in the past uh, about also the things we talked about today, like the memberships, uh, uh, about uh, with, 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 with some of the guys uh, working in media in uh, Europe. You should go back and check on that. And if you like it, be sure to subscribe to the future episodes and uh, also uh, we'll, you will find us on Apple Podcasts uh, and all the rest of the services that are out there. Anything I forgot, Mark? Uh, no. I don't think so. Okay, so thank you again, Johannes. Uh, and uh, one last thing uh, we should always say. Uh, and I will uh, leave Mark say it <laughs> again. Night, night. Have fun at Club Duvet. <laughs> uh, that's not it. But uh, please <laughs> never forget to check your facts. I was, I was hoping she was saying something different. She, she said, uh, don't let uh, good night and don't let the mega bite you. Uh. <laughs>